And uh, I started a series which I've spread out over a little bit of time on honour because we've been studying that in the small groups Uh, and I did one on honour and then one on overcoming dishonour which is the one we did last time and uh, I thought I'd just continue to finish with the the third one in the series and I want to just share on honour principles and practice, honour principles and practice and uh, I'm sure it's going to be very practical uh, and it will help you. At the end... You have to discover by revelation for yourself that honor works. It's a principle of the kingdom of God that honor works, dishonor fails every time. And so we want to become a people of honor. So we need to understand through the Bible, the issue of honor runs right through as a theme. There's a number of themes run through the Bible. The issue of honor runs right through the Bible. And as you look through, you see many, many stories that happen, and you just see them or know them as stories. But actually, when you look at them from an honor perspective, you see how people uh, were in a place of honor and fell to a place of dishonor, and then God raised them up to honor again. You see that even with Jesus Christ, how Jesus came and gave up his honor and humbled himself to become a servant And then he obeyed and went to the cross, and then God has raised him up and given him honor above all else. So the principle of honor is all through the Bible, people experiencing seasons when there's honor, then seasons when there's shame or difficulty, then seasons when God raises them up if they respond right. So honor is a theme right through the Bible, and uh, it runs right through. So we're, we're created for honor. We're created to be people of honor. We're created to carry the honor of God, but we're also carried to honor, we're called to honor people. It's a foundation of success in every arena of life is honor. In fact, for many people, their success in life has come as a result of honoring people and releasing into their lives what that person had for them. I look back in my own life and I can actually name the people that I intentionally connected to and honored and served, and as a result, receive from them more than many others around me. It's a a key to success, is honor. I can't overstate how important growing in your life a culture of honor is for your welfare, your family welfare, marriage and relationships. It's extremely important. So honor then is a deep It's a heartfelt thing. It comes from the heart. It's not just something we do, lip service, words we say. Honor is something that comes from your heart. It's a decision out of humility to place value and respect on someone. It's a decision to place value and respect on them, and it's reflected in outward actions. So it's a a decision. It's a choice to value someone to value them in a very authentic and genuine way and it's shown in your behaviors, the way you treat them and the way you interact with them. And uh, it's a very, very important issue. So the Bible tells us, there are many sources of honor, of course. Uh, We we look around, you see people being honored on TV, you see people being honored at the Olympic Games, all kinds of places people being honored. The All Blacks get honored, it's all over the place. And of course it's great when the All Blacks win and they get honored. That's always great. And we feel kind of like, I'm getting some of that honor, I'm Kiwi, you know, I'm I'm the team backer on TV. I watch and have my coffee and watch on TV. And And I get a little bit of honor just from what they did. See, but this is 
All of that's temporary. All of that's fleeting. None of it lasts. It's there, then it's gone. And, but there's an honor that comes from God, which is lasting. And I want you to understand that God wants to place honor and value upon us. It's in his heart to do that more than you could possibly imagine. That we, that's why we need revelation of it. God's desire is to lift you up to an enormous place of honor in your life. He's wanting you to be in a relationship with him and experience in your personal life and relationship deep value. And so throughout the Bible, we see that when people honored God, God honored them and lifted them up. Let me give you a couple of scriptures on that. First of all, David in 1 Chronicles 29, 11, and 12. And now, David is at the height of his success. He is wealthy beyond measure. You want to go and look at how much gold and silver he had? Billions. He was wealthy beyond measure. How did this man who was just a lowly shepherd boy, his family didn't even like him, he didn't even invite him to meet the prophet, he's despised by his family, despised by his brothers. How did this boy who's just a poor shepherd boy tending the sheep become the most wealthy man in Israel and the most famous warrior king in Bible history? How did that happen? I mean... You've got to ask, not just look at the story, how people got some. You've got to ask, how did you get there? And that's the thing. When you meet people who are successful in life, don't just tell them how great you are. That's ridiculous. It's honoring yourself. Yeah. Rather, honor them by preparing questions to ask them the things that help them get where they got and the challenges they overcome. In other words, honor the time with them so that you can learn from them. And this is what David says. So if you ask David, how, how did you get there? How did you get there? What was the key? Well, it's never one key, but anyway, here's what he had said. He turns it into prayer. In 1 Chronicles 29, 11, he said, now he's doing this publicly. So he could say, look how strong and great I am. Instead, this is what he said. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom. And you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. Riches, money comes from the Lord. Now you can look and say, well, I did all my hard work and I've worked. It's all my money. I made it. Yep. Maybe it'll all go that quickly too. But there is a wealth, there's riches that come from the Lord, prosperity that comes from And you reign over all. And your hand is power and might. Is your, in your hand, in God's hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now see, it's in the hand of God to make you great. How many people would love to be great? Now, you see, you get embarrassed when I ask you that question. <laughs> Should I say yes to that or no? I don't know. It's just a trick question. You know? It's in the heart of everyone to be great. Well, I'll put it to you another way. Who wants to be insignificant and pass away and no one even knew you died? Do you understand? That's the opposite. No one wants that. Lie in an unmarked grave, no one there. You know, that's not what you want. In the heart of every person is a desire for greatness. 
God built it into you. It's okay to want to be great. It's the how you get there is the key question. And so God is able to put honor on us. God is able to lift us up and give us favor with people that moves us from where we were to a whole new realm of living and, and a whole new realm of relationships. So no matter where you've come, I was just talking with, with Peter today. And I, I, just, I just felt quite touched talking with Peter, knowing where Peter and Henrietta came from when they first come into the church and how they've honored God and, and they've connected with people and honored people, how God has helped them into houses, plural, and prosperity, plural, favor, plural, their children. It, it's, it's extraordinary to watch it happening. And, and I see it in so many places, how people who were at a very lowly place in life because of how they started or their family background or their lack of education, and as they locked in on God and started to honor Him and then honor men of God in their life, God helped lift them up to another level. It's extraordinary how it happens. Because I remember, I remember being in a little wee schoolroom in Dannyvert with 25 kids saying, it seems like I've lost my life here somewhere. I'm buried out of sight. It's probably where, maybe this is the end of it. This is all it'll come to. And then now, next week, I'll be speaking to thousands. It's like, but I don't look and say that was something I did. It's just actually in, honor, in a lifestyle of honoring God, God puts the honor on you and gives you favor with people. And so we need to recognize that. See, what about Jesus' teaching? How can you believe or have faith who receive or look for or want the honor from one another, but don't seek the honor that comes from the only God or the honor that comes only from God. There is an honor that God can put on you, but you have to seek it. He says, is it right to seek to be honored? Yes. Yes, of course, because that's the plan of God. I'll show you a scripture verse where God actually affirms this, but there's a way of doing it. See, there's God's way. So, so there's an honor that comes from God. So the honor that comes from men is very temporary. So today people clap and shout and say, hooray. Tomorrow they've forgotten you or they want your position. Who knows what? But the, the honor doesn't last, that's for sure. But there's an honor that comes from God in life now. So God is able to lift you up, give you favor in the business, favor in your occupation, favor in the sports field, favor in media. God is able to do that. It's in his power to do it. Why would you not seek for him to do it? See, this is a problem. Christians get weird thinking about this sort of whole area of greatness. God doesn't want you to be small. He wants you to be great. Great people do great things. He doesn't want you to stay small. Maybe life and your circumstances and upbringing and the abuse you had made you small inside, but God certainly doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to become great inside. You were born for greatness. Born for greatness. How about that? And, and so, so there's a greatness that comes from God, and we're to seek that. We're actually to seek that. Honor is a gift that comes as a direct consequence of two things. One, honoring God, and two, embracing his principles of honor. How hard can that be? How hard can that be? So honor comes from God, uh, and it's a gift that comes from honoring God. Notice what it says in 1 Samuel 2.30. 
Uh, those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. So God honors those who come to him and honor him. So in other words, this is the, the weird thing. You think, I want honor, but the way I get it is by honoring God first and then embracing the principles of honor and giving that honor to others. And that weird? It just seems so counterintuitive. You want honor, you think, well, actually, I should push myself forward, get on top of everyone, beat everyone down, be the winner on top. See? Yeah, but if you're the winner on top, then everyone else is a loser and they're trying to pull you down. It's not an honor that God has given. It's an honor that you fought and clawed your way by pushing everyone else down to get to. That's not the honor that comes from God. There's an honor that God places upon your life that comes without striving or damaging others or hurting others. And it comes as we honor God and give him the first place of honor in our life. And then it comes also as we understand God's principles of honor and build them intentionally into our life. And there's not the only reasons that we get promoted and, and go ahead in life, but this is really foundational. So, so here's the thing. The first thing then is, if we just look at two things. Number one, give God honor. Give him the first place of honor in your life. Now, I could share a lot of things around that. But if you want to become great, if you want God to place honor on you, advance you, move you forward, increase your influence, now in this life and particularly in the age to come, then put God first and honor him before everyone else. Everyone else, your spouse, your children, your work, everyone else. Put God first. Give him the first place in your life. Give him the first place in your heart. You find that uh, in the story of uh, Hannah in uh, 1 Samuel 1, 27 and 28, how Hannah longed for a child desperately and she was longing, she was crying, she was distressed, so she began to seek God. And then she said this, she said, Lord, whatever child you give me, I will release to you. And so she got a child, and then she released that child to the Lord, gave her very best, her very dreams to God, and God in return blessed her with a prophet that changed the nation and became the defining prophet in Israel's history, and not only that, gave her other sons and daughters as well. So both God and her got what they wanted when she yielded and honored God first. Think about that. Okay, and uh, David, you think of David in 1 Chronicles 21, 24 through to 26, how David was in a dilemma and uh, someone come and said to him, listen, I tell you what, you want to build an altar? Look, I'll give you the land and I'll give you the uh, wood for the altar and I'll give you all the oxen for the sacrifice. I'll give it all to you. It doesn't cost you anything. And David said this, I will not offer to the Lord anything that costs me nothing. I will pay the full price. He said, in other words, to honor God, I can't honor God by giving God something you gave me. I must actually have a cost element in it. I, there's a sacrificial element in honoring God. And he said, I want to respect who God is, and I'm not giving him nothing. See, it's very easy to give handovers, leftovers, a little bit of a nod. No, but that's not a sacrifice that actually shows that God is honorable, honored in your life. 
And it says in the scripture, very clearly it said, uh, let's, I'll just read the verse out here. It says this, and it says, uh, verse uh, 26 of 1 Chronicles 21, David built an altar of the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord, and he answered him from, fire, from heaven by fire on the altar. So how about that? So we want God's power and presence and favor in our life, which can move our life, our marriage, our family, our finances, everything we do, but there is a cost for it. It costs something to put God first because everyone else will want first place in your life. And if you listen to the demands of everyone and give them first place, then soon God slips into a low place in your life. He's not first place. He's add-on God in your life. You become religious instead of having a life flow and power that comes from putting God first, honoring him first. And we honor him first in our time. We honor him first in our money. There are lots of ways we can put God first. It's not that we ignore everything else. It's just we put God in the first place in our heart and life and affection and attention and honor. And uh, even, even with, uh, in Colossians 3, verse say, 22 to 24, in the workplace, it even works out there. How can I honor God in the workplace? Well, that's not such a hard one. Do a good job. Do a good job when the boss isn't looking. He knows you're Christian. Everyone knows you're Christian. And they then watch what you do without telling you they're watching what you do. They're watching everything you do, how you handle everything. And so it says, servants or slaves, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers. In other words, he said, don't work hard when someone's watching you. That's what's called being a men pleaser. If the only time you work hard is when the boss is around, you're a man pleaser. That's not honoring to the boss nor honoring to God. It's, you're cheating. Because that means when, you, when he's not around, you'd slack off. He says, he says, but with a sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as if you were doing it to the Lord and not men. So saying, so wherever you are called and employed as a believer, if you want to honor God there, don't go handing everyone verses and preaching at them and trying to tell them this, this, and this. Show you honor God by how you do your job and treat people. He said, do a good job, not with I serve, not when the boss is around, but from the heart, this is how you are serving God. Your job is part of your honor to God and service to God. It's this religion will put serving God and worshiping God on Sunday and leave God out of every other day of the week. That is lip service. That's religion. See, if, I, if I'm called to honor God, then I honor God in whatever I do. And if people overlook, it doesn't matter because God's looking. He can sort it out in the long term. People could all get wound up over stuff and they shouldn't. He says, knowing. Now, why, why, why can we do, he says, whatever you do, do it passionately, fully from your heart, as if you're doing it to the Lord. So no matter what the boss is like, don't go mixing up and complaining about the boss, complaining how hard he is, how bad he is. Don't do that. But rather, see beyond the boss that really you're serving the Lord. And he said, the reason you can passionately serve in the workplace is not because of how they treat you, because of knowing something that from the Lord, you receive the reward of inheritance. So of course, if you've got no idea of inheritance and no value on it, you'd be like, Jacob, you won't care. But if you understand the wealth of what God has planned for us, then whenever you do, you do it well. Because it's service to God. 
It's honouring God. And when you honour your boss, you're honouring God. When you work hard, you're honouring God. They understand who you are and why you're there. So give God your best place. See? Make God the first person you want to please. Make him the first person you please. Jesus rose early, Mark 1.35, rose early in the day so that he might find and get strength for the day and be able to be directed how to please his Father every day. So God is the first one we choose to please. Do the things that please him. He works everything else out for you. Here's a, on the other flip side, don't dishonor God. So don't dishonor God. You say, oh, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. In don't dishonor. Here's, here's four ways that, that people dishonor God. Four ways that people dishonor. Remember, if we honor God, he will honor us. So if you dishonor God, then he won't value or lift you up as he intended to do. So there's a number of ways we can wish uh, we can uh, dishonor God. And one of them is in our worship experience, in our worship, what we do when we come to gatherings like this. In Malachi 1 and verse 6 through to 8 uh, in the Old Testament, a son on, this is God speaking. And God's talking to the priests. He's talking to the believers. And he said, I've got a bit of an issue here. And uh, here's what the issue is. A son honors his father. A master honors his servant. If I'm a father, where's my honor? And if I'm a master, where's my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts of the priests who despise my name. And they say, what do you mean? We're despising your name. So in other words, he's, he, he's speaking to the church of the day saying, well, look, a father gets honoured and a master gets honoured, but I'm a father and I'm a master. Where's my honour? You all dishonour me. And they say, what? How could that happen? And then he said, here's how it happens. He said, because you offered defiled food on my altar, and you say, well, how have we defiled you? And he said, when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, isn't it evil? You offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer that to the governor and see if he's pleased with you. Will he accept you favourably? So notice then that he's talking about the way they worship. And what they were doing is they were saying, yeah, we've got to offer a lamb. Let's have a look. Yeah, there's a blind old one over there. We'll grab that one and offer that one up. And the other one over there says, oh, that one's sick. I don't think you're going to see the week out. We'll bring him there. We'll offer him up. And the other, look, he's walking. He's lame. You're not keeping up. We'll get that one too. So they bring him along, you see, and just offer it up. And, and, and of course, the priests of that day were allowing them to do it. So, so, and what God is saying is, Will you take that lame old thing, that one-eyed, blind, lame, about to die, and go to the king and say, I've got a special treat for you. Here's the lamb. And see what he says to you. He says, what is that thing? It can't see. It can hardly walk. and It's going to die. What are you giving me? Do you understand? The issue is, is that the gift is not a gift of honor. It's a gift of dishonor. It's giving the least possible. And this is in the area of worship. So, so, so what would they look up? Well, that means you come to church and you sit around, you're not even on time, and you wait for everyone else to do everything and then to get blessed. That's what that looks like. So, so if we want to come, to come, we're coming to meet a king, so we come on time, we come prepared, we come to participate, we come to build something and make an offering to God. So we engage with him. Not bring along something blind. My Lord. Well, you know what I'm talking about. So, so we dishonor God that way. We can dishonor God in our words. And it says in uh, Proverbs, um, it says uh, Malachi, same thing. He, talk, he says, your words have been hard against me. And, and they said, what do you mean we've been talking against you? He said, well, it's useless to serve God. What profit is there we kept his ways? 
know what they were saying? They were saying, oh, it's a waste of time serving God. Really? God heard that. He said, you're dishonoring me when you talk and despise my ways like that. What's the use? What's the use of serving God? What's the use of coming to church? What's the use of giving? What's the... See, all of that kind of talk comes out of a heart that's already dishonored God. So we can dishonor God in our words very, very easily. We can dishonor God in our finances. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your possessions or finances, with the first fruits of all your increase, and so your barns will be filled with plenty, your vats will overflow with new wine. So God's saying, honor me as your source. See, the word father means source. So we come to God and call him father source, then everything has come from him. And if everything's come from him, what you give to him is your honor to the source. You're just saying, I'm honoring the source. Now, I'm not legalistic about tithing and, and how much you give. I'm, I'm interested in your heart that you honor God by recognizing that the first part of whatever you get coming in belongs to him as an honor for him providing everything else. So if you treat it like it belongs to God because he's my source, you don't get hung up over how much shall I give away. Don't get into all of that. Get into the issue of actually God is looking out for me, and so when he provides for me, then I will honor him. Now, how much you honor him is the decision you yourself make, but honor him with your first and your best. Give him something. That makes sense? Oh, it gets real quiet. You talk about, you know. And, and in Malachi 3, of course, if you read on there, God will say to them, well, you're robbers. You'll rob me. Rob me blind. You know, <laughs> and they say, how do we rob you? How can we rob God? Oh, well, you hold back from me what, what I've given to you. You don't honor me in your giving and your generosity. You hold back. You're robbing me. And, and, and he said, just prove me if you, if you won't restore honor back through your giving, if I shan't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. Well, you can feel the air suck out of the room on that one too. <laughs> I'll give you one more, then we'll get on to the practices that you need to embrace. Here's another one. Now, this one may be not so, this is a way you dishonor God. This is when you mistreat God's family. When you mistreat other Christians in word or actions. In Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through to 5, remember Paul is persecuting the church. He's beating them up, throwing them in jail, killing some of them, doing all these kind of things to them. And he has an encounter with the Lord. And guess what Jesus says to him? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Me. In other words, Jesus so identifies with this group of people called believers, his church, that if you attack the church, you're attacking him. It's like, this is my bride, this is my wife. You attack her, you're taking on me. In Matthew 25, Jesus said, you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it to me. In other words, you cannot separate out people that belong to God and are joined to him from him. You can't separate them out. Dishonoring them is dishonoring him. So we've got to guard our attitude towards other believers that we're not harboring offenses and judgments and criticizing, complaining, gossiping, running them down. When you do that, God hears every word you said, you are dishonoring him. He's joined to them. That's his family. You say, well, your family sucks. Well, maybe it does. 
you know, there's a lot of troubles in God's family. That's for sure, we'll acknowledge that. But the reality is everyone has the potential to be a conqueror, a king and great. And when you just see them in their worst state and judge them and criticize them and attack them and reject them, you are dishonoring God who says they belong to me. You can't dishonor his bride and without dishonoring him. Now, and, and it's so serious that in 1 Corinthians 10, it goes on and it talks uh, about if we, if, we, uh, if we mistreat the family of God, or when we come to communion time, we need to discern in our heart the Lord's body. We need to recognize that when we come to communion, then, then actually we should put our heart right with other believers and not be holding things against them. He said, for this reason, because you don't discern that the Lord is not just the Lord in heaven, he has a body he's living out through. When you, when you, re, when you treat them badly, you're not discerning the Lord's brother. This is why many are sick and some die before their time because of the way they've treated other believers. Oh, well, this is, tr- this is the word of God. This is the truth. You, if, you, if you embrace these things, it changes the way you look at people, changes the way you work with people. Begin to honor them and value them and love them. They've got great potential. It just needs a bit of unlocking, that's all. <laughs> yeah, some a lot. But however, so, so we get God verse place. Okay, so then, then embrace the principles of honor. So here's some principles of honor. And, uh, and then we give you some practical things too. So here's some principles of honor. Okay, the first thing is humility is the foundation of honor. Humility is the quality of your heart. Humility. See, if you've got pride in your heart, you, it's all about me, me, notice me, promote me, advance me, all about me. See, if you've got humility in your heart, then it's all about others. You can serve others. So which one is God going to promote? See, which one's God going to promote? So in Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride will bring him low. So you find someone uh, have got pride, only a matter of time before they have a fall. Uh, but the humble in spirit will retain honour. So in other words, it's saying humility and honour go hand in hand. Now humility is not being a, a, a walkover for people to walk over you. Humility is a quality of heart that accurately assesses I am valuable to God because of what Jesus did and because I'm valuable, I can serve people. But then if I'm abused, I'm valuable, I won't allow that. So humility is having a realistic assessment of yourself. It's not thinking too high. Some people think too high, so they promote themselves. Some people think too low. Oh, not me. And so both of those are strongholds of pride. Humility accepts what God says about me and agrees with God and lives it out. Humility empowers you to serve. So I said, I like it in the Passion Translation, Proverbs 29, 23, lift yourself up in pride, you'll soon be brought down. Everyone's going to go for you, even God. Did you know that? That when you lift yourself up with pride, even God's going to have a go at you. You see, people don't understand that. But the Bible says, God... He says he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So if you want the grace, the power of God to prosper and succeed, go forward, then develop humility of heart, a serving heart. Not putting others down, building others up and serving people. That's the heart that God will lift up. But if you've got prideful heart, God will make sure that he's resisting you. So you can't seem to get ahead no matter how hard you try. That's why people with pride often get incredibly frustrated and angry because their plans are being blocked all the time. 
I used to watch a, uh, a program called uh, Keeping Up Appearances, a British comedy. I love it, Hyacinth. Now, Hyacinth had all these plans to make herself look good. And, oh, no, and the thing that made the whole thing funny was all her cunning plans to make herself look good all fell apart every time. Someone always resisted it and blew on it. And so when we uh, have pride in our heart, God resists us and people resist us too. People get an attitude to you and they hold you away because they feel the pride of your heart. It's a principle of God. So, you know, say if you lift yourself up with pride, you'll be brought low, but the meek and humble spirit will add to your honor. How about that? So here's another scripture, Matthew 20 and verse 25 to 28. Jesus uh, called to the disciples. Why, why did he call the disciples together? Very simply, they're having a row. What was their row? Who's going to be the greatest? See, me. I cast out more demons. Me, I did a bigger miracle. They're all fighting one another. Who's going to be the greatest? And that's what's been going on. And then not only that, two of the boys got their mum to go to Jesus. Say, tell Jesus, listen, when you come in your kingdom, can my son sit on this side, my other son sit on the other side? Now, who, mum's thinking about herself now. Those are my boys next to Jesus. You understand what they're thinking? What all the thinking is about self-exalting. And so this is what Jesus said. He said, those in, he said, in the world, in the culture of the world, he said, they exercise authority over people. They crave position and privilege and put everyone down. He said, it shall not be so among you. In other words, the culture of the world of self-promotion is contrary to the kingdom of God and promotion by God. He said, if you want to be great, now there's nothing wrong with wanting to be great. In fact, actually God desires you to be great. But he said, here's how you obtain it. You obtain it through serving. If you want to be great, become a servant. Uh, well, I don't want to just be great. I want to be the greatest of all. Okay, be the servant of all. So what Jesus, he's not saying it's wrong to want to be great. He's just saying there's a God pathway to greatness and greatness is connected to your capacity to serve many people and give into the lives of others to benefit them. Do you understand that? That's, that's the kingdom principle. And so Jesus is the classic example. He humbled himself, Philippians 2 verse 7, 8, he humbled himself to the point of death, becoming a servant and obeying even the point of death. Wherefore God has exalted him. God lifted him up and put honor on him and given him a name above every name that no one gets into heaven except by the name of Jesus. That's a pretty big name, isn't it? In other words, his reputation and honor is unassailable. It is outstanding. Yeah. How did he get there? Well, he got there through serving, sacrificial serving. That's how it happens. That's the path. That's God's way. Now, if you want to go God's way, embrace his principle and humility is the foundation. Here's the second one of God's principles of honor, and that is God decides who gets honored. So honor who God says to honor. So if God tells you to honor someone, then honor them. But that seem right? See, that's, that's what embracing the principles of the kingdom is. Honor those that God says to honor. Now, while I'm going to read out the list. I'm not going to go through all the scriptures. You can look them all out yourself. But God specifically commands us to honor certain people. Now, see if we can find it. See if you're in there anywhere. He says, who does God command us to honor? Number one, parents. He commands us to, to honor our parents. 
Ephesians 6 verse 2. And not only that, it's so serious that if you dishonor them, there's massive consequences all through your life. So, so honor your parents. Uh, secondly, those in authority. Whoa, Romans 13 verse 1. Because those in authority are put in there by God. Honor the office. Honor the office. Maybe the person's shouldn't be there. Maybe the person, you've got a lot of thoughts about them that aren't really wholesome, but honour the office because God has put them into an office. You honour the office, you're honouring God. Uh, what about 1 Corinthians 12, 23? Honour weaker believers in the church. Well, often the church loves all the gifted people, but what about other people that aren't gifted greatly, but they're just people and they're in there and they serve and they're whatever. The Bible says, honour those that are weaker in the church. Those that are weaker, we give the greater honour to. So notice here, honour comes to those who are weaker. For you put more care into them. Ooh. See how posed it is to the culture of the world. Culture of the world, they just want the bold and the beautiful. If you don't look beautiful, you're not in. <laughs> but God doesn't see it that way. He looks on the beauty of your heart. Okay, what about this? Honour widows. That would probably include solar parents. 1 Timothy 5 verse 3. Honour widows. Now, it says, honor widows that are real widows, not gossipers that run around. He said, these are the ones that have actually served in the past, and now they're widowed. And so honor them because of their service and what they've done, and because they're in need of extra help. Honor them. Honor them means give them practical help and give them some money to help them along. There was no, there was no system of help in those days. What about this? This is a good one for husbands. 1 Peter 3, 7, honor your wife. Honor your wife. Now, just, honor your wife. Honor your wife. Otherwise, your prayers will be hindered. That's a good one. You notice some of these have got threats on them. I like that. God knows that men aren't likely to do it. So he said, now listen, you want your prayers answered? You want to get somewhere? You want things to happen? I care about her and you're not treating her right. So you've got to block on all your accounts until you start to honour your wife. <laughs> so heaven's accounts are frozen while you get sorted out with your wife. How about that? Here's another one in Leviticus 19.32. This is one that's been forgotten. But the Bible says to, to, to rise up in the presence of an older person. Or in other words, when an older person comes in the room, just stand up to your feet. Where did that one go? How come we lost that one? That's quite a good one. I'm old. I don't mind that. <laughs> But it's actually just a sign of respect. You stand up for older people when they come into the room. It's a sign of respect. Yeah, that's what you do. And it says 1 Timothy 5.17, it says uh, those who are elders in the church who labor in the word. Now it tells us if they labor in the word and doctrine, in other words, they work hard to teach and instruct the church well, give them double honor. Double. Look after them. They're an asset and a treasure for you. So, so what about this? Uh, in your workplace, we already saw that one in 1 Timothy 6, 1, uh, honor your, your boss. Uh, and Now, look at these in 1 Peter 2, 17. It says, honor the brothers. Now, the brothers refers to the family of God. So it's brothers and sisters. So now look around you. God wants you to honor everyone here who's a member of the family of God. How about that? He said to do it. Honor them. Uh, here's another one. He says, honor the king. Oh, but I don't like who's in office. It doesn't matter whether you like them or not. It doesn't matter whether they're bad people or good people. When he's saying honor the king, this is, this is a very bad king. He's saying honor the king. In other words, it's your gift to them. Honor them. And then it says honor every person. So, so you're not getting away from honor. 
God's requirement, if you want to walk on honor principle, you make it a way of life that you value people and treat them with respect and kindness. How about that? How about that? And when we do that, well, God's able to lift us up. So honor is your gift to them. You're not giving it because they deserve it. Most Christians get this funny idea, they don't deserve it. Why should they be honored? Well, what kind of mean, miserly spirit is that? You know, that's horrible. It just shows you, 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 you've got low value in your own life and you haven't got your issues of your heart sorted out where you're in a place of blessing and know the Lord loves you and you're overflowing with the Holy Spirit, you can love people, you know? So, so when there's a deficit emotionally, we tend to then forget to give honor to others. We give honor to people because we are sons of our Father who honors all men. You do it because you're a representative. It's how you behave. It's how Christians are supposed to behave, honor people. Don't shout at them, swear at them, yell at them, and abuse them, put them down, and neglect them, reject them, criticize them, cut them off, avoid them, all that kind of stuff. See, honor, honor can see through people's imperfections and sees the gold that's there. Honor sees the gold in people. But see, naturalized, only see what's, oh, I don't like them. I don't like that man. He's afraid. He's a fearful man. And he got his wife into a hot spot with the other king. She thought he's his sister. He lied to the king. Now the king's taken his wife off. What kind of guy does that? Well, Abraham. Hello. But God saw the faith in his heart and in Hebrews 11 commends him as being a man of faith. You understand that God sees the golden people. He doesn't hold a record of all their failings. What about David? This is a man after my own heart, says God. Then you look at him, he's killed some guy and he's had sex with his wife. He committed adultery and arranged for the guy to be killed. But you see, he had other redeeming factors. So you can either focus on the obvious failure or you can focus on the redeeming factor, which was his heart and passion and love for God. So yes, he failed, but that's true of all people in the Bible. And you too. You have failed and you continue to fail and will continue to fail. Do you want God to just take note of everything you're failing in or do you want him to look past that and see the goal, the, the potential, what you can be? So one of the successes in life is to look past the obvious lacks of people and see what they carry that's good that you can honor and make that your focus. You don't have to focus on their faults. That's what happens. Why, you know, husband and wife, they come together. They're just like, everyone's, fo they're all focused on the best and the other. And then they get married. Now they're picking away at one another. And they see the other sides that were there. They were always there. You just couldn't see it because love covered it. So get your love back and cover over the thing again. And don't, don't make such a fuss about them. It's just called being people. <laughs> okay, so, so we can see past that. So, so I'll give you another couple. And uh, perhaps we'll just go down and just give you uh, the last few practical keys. So honour needs to be a lifestyle, not just a public event. So frequently when we see honour, we see it as a public event. So someone wins the Olympics, they're up there, it's a public event, they get celebrated, <laughs> clap, okay? Uh, then we go out to a restaurant, it's someone's birthday, we all sing happy birthday, and people join in, happy birthday. It just, then it's there, then it's over. And then so someone has an anniversary. Oh, great, click, 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 give them some lollies, you know, and sweeten them up so they don't look very happy. You know, so just, just it, it's just an event. You understand? Events come and events go. But God wants us into a lifestyle where the way you treat people is you place value on people. 
Okay? And, and that's something you, that comes out of a hum, humble heart. We say, God, I want to serve you. I want to represent you. This is what I want to do. And so uh, we, Jesus modeled this, of course. Uh, you, you find, let's think about the people that Jesus honored. Unbelievable people Jesus on. Like, for example, in Luke, in, in, in Luke chapter 15, it says, it said all the tax collectors and sinners came. Now, tax collectors were considered traitors. They were the low life. All the low life came, and then everyone else, homosexuals, drug addicts, everyone else, they're the, 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 the sinners. So the worst ones in Jesus' day were not the transgender people. The worst ones were the tax collectors. And then everyone else was just sinners. See? And that's how it was. And so, and so it says that the religious people complained. Why did they complain? Because Jesus welcomed them and then ate with them. In the Asian culture, to eat with someone is to honour them. So they're getting honour they don't deserve. And every religious person should be indignant about this. It's not right. Well, they were very indignant. So Jesus had to tell them off. That they actually didn't carry the heart of God at all. God, Jesus did not necessarily approve of their lifestyle, but he made them welcome. It's really important. Often Christians are known for being judgmental rather than actually welcoming people. And welcoming people are interesting. And they've got a journey. They've got a story. They didn't just get there. They had all sorts of things happen in their life. But if you, if you, if you just don't make them welcome in your world, you're dishonoring them by rejecting them and judging them. So honour people and value people instead of catching the whole thing where we're in a society now that's polarised, this is this and this is that one and they're all hating one another and shouting one another. We're not called to be caught up in that. Don't be caught up in any of that. That's not godly. Don't follow a crowd to do ungodly things. It's not right. So, so Jesus, Jesus welcomed all kinds of people. Like there's a leper. Now, now lepers, he's literally infectious. And Jesus not only welcomed him, he touched him. Nobody touches lepers. You know, it's like, what are you doing? But you see, he wasn't afraid that what they had would affect him. He was confident what he had could change them. And see, Christians are often too afraid. And so when you're afraid, you tend to judge people, react to people, withdraw, get all that kind of stuff, rather than actually, actually, we've got something people need. They just don't know they need it yet, but that's all right. We're going to, have a, we're going to connect with them. And, and Jesus connected with all sorts of people. He, he freely honoured people. He said of John the Baptist, he publicly honoured him. He said, this is the greatest prophet in history. So he was free in honouring people. The woman came and, and, and put ointment on his feet. He honoured her publicly. He said, everyone's going to remember her. So Jesus had no trouble honoring people, all kinds of people, all kinds of people. He just made them welcome. That's the key thing about honor. Honor welcomes people and sees that underneath all of that coal, there's a diamond. So, so what are practical ways? Just finish with this now, just some simple practical ways. Uh, how can you just live a life of honor? Just remember, it starts with a humble heart that says, thank you, Lord, you love me. You're working in my life. I've got the honor of representing you. Now, Lord, help me to have your heart to people. So you pray every day and surrender your heart and ask God to give you his heart for people and then to treat them right. So the first thing you do is include people. You honour people by including them in conversation and in your circle of relationships. Well, so for example, and that's the most common one, just to include people. Don't exclude them and cut them out. Right. Why you do that and dishonour them? That's a terrible thing to do. That is, it's awful to dishonour them by cutting them out. And if someone's new in the church, go and include them. Reach out, hello, how long have you been here? I'm the pastor, I've just been out on all I come back. <laughs> 
but, but make people welcome, include them in. Hi, how are you doing? And then introduce them to a few other people. In, be inclusive of people. It doesn't matter. I remember there was one girl come into the church. Man, did she have a hairdo. It was all purple and standing up and shaved on the side. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I said, man, how awesome is that? You got the boldness and courage to actually be unique. That's awesome. She said, a big smile came up. She expected I was going to say something. I, did. I just made a welcome, just include her. Find out her story. Do you understand? Include, including people is what God does. He includes us. He includes us, even though we don't deserve it. Maintain relationships with people. You honor the relationship you have with someone. If you go to them, if there's something going on, you go and talk about it, try and sort it out. That's honoring them. You, how about initiating connections with people? Don't wait for people to come and talk to you. You talk to them. Get on social media, give them a call. Connect with people. You honor people by connecting them. You dishonor them by ignoring them. Ooh. Have meaningful conversations. Don't just be superficial about this and that. Try to at least engage people who are important in your life in a meaningful way. Talk about the things they value. Try to engage people deeper than just being superficial. That's how you show you value them because you want to know them and understand them. Be an active listener. Active listening means you're not on the phone while there are people talking. You're, you're, you're listening to hear things. To hear, sometimes it's what they didn't say. You hear that and understand there's something going on. Sometimes there's an emotion in what they say and you know there's something really working and active in their heart. When you become an active listener and practice the skills of active listening, you're showing honor to people, value to them very easy for us to slip out of that what about practical assistance someone has need don't just go and say bless you brother <laughs> if they need help give them some help that's how you honor them and value them as people you give them practical we've got some people in our church are the most practical people they help that you know I could turn to them anytime I had a need and just say would you help and that help now Bruce is one of those kind of guys and there's others in the church like that you just ask them and they'll come and help and they have help. You know, there's people in the community needing feeding and some people have got together and produced food for them. This is honoring the people in our community. It's not despising them because they're in lack. It's saying we want to do something to actually show someone is thinking about you and cares about you. And we're willing to sacrifice time and resources to give you at least a meal that'll cheer you up for one day. You understand there are lots of ways, practical assistance. Uh, sometimes people need words of approval, need words that just recognize them, especially when you speak words about them that have show value of them when, when they're not there. What, what about protecting their reputation? This is a very important one. You honor people when you won't allow you, those people to talk about them behind their back. Run them down. This is a favorite pastime, running everyone down. You say, hey, stop. I don't want you running someone down in my presence. That's dishonoring to them, and it's dishonoring my relationship with them. That usually would be a conversation ender right there. <laughs> it, just, it just seems to stop something happening. It actually stops the spirit being at work to divide. And then lastly, but not least, genuine gratitude and appreciation. One of the things to learn to do is, is never be entitled just be appreciative. Anyone, you know, the, 
some girl serving on the counter, smile and find her name, use her name and say thank you very much. Just a little thing like that. You think of all the people that make it possible for today to happen. You think of Joelle and all the work that's going on in the children's church. You know, great for parents. You have someone look after your children. There's Kelly's working out there and, and doing a tremendous work with the kids. Someone makes it possible for all of these things to happen. There's about 70 people involved helping just make the service happen. But don't just, don't just assume it. Thank them. Thank them. Someone shows you kindness, thank them. Someone does something for you, thank them. You can't be, it's, it's a surprising how people forget to just say thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for what you did. I love in America, they have a culture for every person who's in the armed services. Whenever anyone sees them, thank you for your service. That's an honor statement right there. It, it's just saying, I know that it's been hard and you sacrificed, but thank you. We're saying thank you for what you're doing on our behalf. So, but what, there's people everywhere that would love a word to appreciate them. Appreciate means you add value to something. When you thank them, you add value to them. Who could you say thank you to? I can feel a tremendous presence of God here. You're feeling it all through the service. Why don't we just open our hearts to the Lord right now? Just close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes. We honor God first in all that we do. And our desire is for the honor that comes from God alone. There's a way it comes. It comes through serving. It comes through honoring Him and embracing His principles of honor. God has honored us. He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to give his life on the cross. He suffered and gave up his life, become terribly shamed and disfigured, and died on the cross and rose from the dead. Now God further honors us. He gives us the opportunity to be in relationship with him through faith in Christ. He gives us an invitation into his presence. What an honor that God invites you to be a carrier of his presence into the community. That's why your prayer life is so important. What an honor that God asks you to represent him in the community, even though he knows you'll mess it up quite a bit and you'll give a wrong picture sometimes and, and that you may not got your act together. Still, he says, I want you to be my representative. What an honor. What an honor that God would come and live within us, aware of every thought and feeling and desire, and word and action, with us everywhere. What an honor we're given. The Bible tells us there's a greater honor yet to come. If you then be risen with Christ, you're a believer, seek the things from above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your heart and affection on things above things of God's eternal kingdom not on things of the earth don't follow the patterns of the earth for you're dead you died to all that stuff your life is hid with Christ and God and when Christ our life shall appear we shall appear in glory with him 
God wants to increase the honor upon the house, the San Global Church, upon the pastors, upon the people. He wants to magnify honor on our lives in this coming season. And the pathway is by responding to honor God first and embrace his principles of honor. Some of you, your lives will change from today. Some of you, you'll start to put these things into practice and life will change. Your relationships, your work, things will start to move because you consistently practiced honor. For me, it meant promotion. For me, it meant God made room for me. For me, it meant God took me out of obscurity and put me in front of television, in front of multitudes. But secretly, it's still, God, I just want to honor you. I don't care about all those things. I just want to honor you. Today, I'd like to send an invitation to any person here. God is giving you the honor of an invitation to receive Jesus Christ, have your sins forgiven, become part of a family called the family of God. This would be the most important honor we could actually ever respond to. God's gift of eternal life in Christ. If that's you today and you're here today and haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, living a life separated from God, I want to invite you today to respond and say, Jesus, I want to receive you. If that's you today, would you raise your hand just while our eyes are closed? Raise your hands. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to give my life to Him today. If that's you today, you're here and you don't know Jesus, just put your hand up quickly. I see a hand right down the back there. God bless you. Anyone else here? Anyone else here? God bless, I see your hand over there. God bless you, dear. Anyone else? Another hand over here. God bless you. And over there, about four people, hands are up. Another one over there, five. That's wonderful. Anyone else? Anyone else? God bless. Okay, I see each of your hands now. In the moment, what we're going to do is we're going to all stand. And what I'd love you to do is just to come out and stand in front of me, facing the front. And I want to just welcome you and I want to lead you in a prayer. We'll all pray the prayer. It'll only take about a couple of minutes. I want to introduce you to Jesus Christ. And it's just, we're honored that you're here, that you came today. And we want to stand with you together and pray for you that God will bless you. So church, let's stand and let's clap and honor each of the ones that raise their hand while they make their way to the front. Please come to the front. Each of those ones that put up your hand, would you please make your way to the front? Please make your way to the front. Lady over there, someone over here. God bless you, mate. God bless you. God bless you. Some others who are down the back there as well. Would you come? Would you come? Each one, there was a lady over here. Would you come too? Come on, dear. That's right. Come on, let's give her a special clap. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Is there anyone else? Anyone? Oh, there you are. That's the one. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, God bless you too. That's right. Just stand here. Welcome. It's great. We're really so thrilled. I want to thank you for responding. I'm glad you responded today. I know there'd be a struggle going on and what's going on and what's happening. I'm going to just lead you in a simple prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. And when we pray this prayer, meaning it in our heart, God responds and he forgives our sins in an instant. The Spirit of God comes into our life. We become part of his family, his father. He cares for us. 
and we become part of a bigger family that's all over the world. I've been in so many countries and met people of all kinds and people are the same everywhere. So church, why don't you help us and help the ones at the front here in this prayer now. You ready? Just all eyes closed and just follow me in this prayer. Listen to the words, make them your words as you talk to God. We close our eyes so we can just focus our attention. Here's the prayer now, this is called the sinner's prayer. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive my sins. Today I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. Today I receive Jesus as my Savior. I receive forgiveness. I receive your spirit into my heart. I give you my life today. And I thank you today. I belong to you. I'm a child of God. Part of the family of God. God is my Father who loves me. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. Lord, I just thank you for each one here. God bless you.